You can tell I'm pretty old from all of that too, can't you? <laughs> Actually, I was going to start out this morning uh, thanking you all for coming, but I know that it's uh, sort of compulsory to come to chapel. I sat here in these not actually these pews over 58 years ago, but downstairs we had, our chapel then was in the basement. There was no superstructure like this. The church was in the basement. Now, there was a, um, a sloping uh, floor, and so the smart kids in the back knew that they could roll marbles down the, the uh, aisle, which wasn't very conducive to worship. But uh, I, I really... I'm very privileged to be with you this morning. I was thinking as I was listening uh, to the singing of the 23rd Psalm, because that is probably one of my favorite scriptures, 23rd Psalm, because I have seen the proof of it so many times over the years in chaplaincy. In fact, the last time I spoke in chapel, I talked about my work in the chaplaincy, and it was certainly the joy of my life. But uh, changes do come, and I'm very, very happy to be with you this morning. As was mentioned, I actually gave this message in the, in the Wollaston Church last October. And I was, at that time, I was asked if I would uh, give some, something of my life that showed how I had been led by God through the years and how I was led into the ministry, as, as was already said when I was ordained on the New York District, I was the first woman in 30 years. Now, historically, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have always ordained women, but it had, had sort of fallen by the wayside, and it was discouraged. And when I was ordained 30 years ago, it kind of, I guess, uh, broke the dam, because after that, for I think the next five years, they ordained women on the New York District. But I was, I was intrigued by the, by the challenge that I was given last October because when I give a message, I usually take a passage of scripture and work on it and see what it says to me and what it will say to the congregation for whom I'm preparing it. So this assignment was very different because I'm going to tell you how God led me. Actually, when I was here sitting in the seats that you're sitting in 58 years ago, no one would ever have dreamed that I would be here today. Never. I, I was not one of the shining spiritual lights on campus. In fact, when I came to EMC, I was very bitter against, against God. And then while I was here, my father received a bad vote in the church. And, and as a result, I became very, very bitter against the church. So I was not one that anyone thought would be heading for ordination, that's for sure. I, was, I majored in mathematics and had a, had a strong minor in literature, not exactly on the ministerial track. But as I started to think about it, I am absolutely amazed as I look back and see how God has led, because he truly has led throughout my life. You know, in Romans 8.14, it says that all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And we cannot call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ if we are not willing to be led by the Spirit. But it was in the summer of my junior year 
that I made a cold decision to follow Christ. Now I have to back up and tell you that in the spring of my junior year, Andy Rerick, who had brand new wings from the U.S. Navy, arrived on campus. Actually, he came to visit somebody else. I have to tell you that. And she was busy. <laughs> so she asked me if I would take him off her hands. <laughs> so I, I did that. and, and uh, <laughs> Now, she ended up never getting married, so I think I got the better deal. Anyway, when he arrived on campus, we started to date. And I knew that he had made a profession of faith. And I knew that I someday was going to. I knew that my mother and father had, had something that was absolutely real in their lives. I had a dear professor here at EMC, Dean Monroe, and I knew that what she had in her life was real. And I couldn't get away from these very real things. And so I had made the decision that someday I would become a Christian. Well, when I started to date Andy, I thought I'd better do it then. So with absolutely no emotion, I made a really just a cold decision that I was going to follow Christ. And it was a real decision. I knew I was going to. But, you know, I started to read my Bible, and 18 months later, I remember thinking, you know, as my, my prayers go up to the ceiling and right back down again. I really felt nothing inside. And then I was sitting in church because uh, we were always in church. And Andy was overseas, actually. He was in North Africa at the time. And as I was sitting in church one Sunday morning, I was overwhelmed with the fact that God loved me. Now, I had not felt that before that God loved me. And that absolutely changed my life because I could not get away from the fact that he loved me. Our pastor at the time was Lyle Calhoun, who later taught here at ENC. And I have always thanked Lyle for the fact that he was, he was true to what he preached and I could trust him and so I could hear from him. And then there came really many years of, of Andy and me being faithful to God and the church. I taught Sunday school and we were, of course, raising our children, Tad, Debbie, and Mary. But in the midst of this, something interesting happened. I had started, my brother got me into it, selling a product called Swipe. Have any of you ever heard of Swipe? Well, 30 years ago, there would have been people that would have heard of it. It was a cleaning liquid. And actually, my brother got me into selling it. And I could sell. And I found that I was, I was making money with it. And I had decided that I would put the money aside for the children's education. All of this was very good. But in the middle of the night, I woke up and I heard a voice saying to me, get out of swipe. And I thought, well, this is silly. I mean, it's a good product. I believed in the product. But I heard this voice again, get out of swipe. And finally, it was almost like with Samuel, I said, yes, Lord, I will. Now, what he told me at that time was I was, Andy earned enough money, he was an FBI agent by that time, that I did not have to work. And so what God told me to do was to stop selling and 
devote my time to teaching Bible studies. And so it was in a short time after that that I, I was teaching four Bible studies a week. And it was kind of, you know, dumb on my part, but I, I did it on three different books of the Bible. <laughs> so I, I did a lot of Bible studying during that time. But in the course of that, uh, and I taught one in a Presbyterian church, and a chaplain came to speak to the group one time. <clears throat> And the thought came to me when I listened to this woman was, I would like to do that. But that was about as far as it went. But something was not quite right within me. I found that I could work in the local church, but I didn't want anything to do with the district or the general church. And then God sent a dear friend to visit us. <clears throat> His name was Ken Hendrick, and he was an old friend from Navy days in Bath, Maine. And he and I were having a big theological discussion. And Andy got bored, and so Andy went off to bed. I come from a, a theological discussing family, so we kind of like to do that. But in the midst of this, my friend said to me, and by the way, he was a professor at Olivet at the time. He said, you're awfully bitter, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not bitter. And then he proceeded to show me by my own words that I actually was filled with bitterness. As I said, my father had received a bad vote. My father was a godly man. And so I had not been able to forgive the church for what happened to him. But that night I went to bed because when I saw it, I knew that I had to do something about it. Because again, if we are led by the Spirit, we're going to obey the Spirit. And so I asked God to forgive me that night for the bitterness that was within my heart. And he did. And it was a miracle within myself. In fact, I thought that no one could see this. And I remember that I testified to it in church sometime after that. And a woman came up to me and she said, I knew there was something wrong with you. <laughs> and the thing is, she did. But uh, I, I didn't think that anyone could see it. <clears throat> but I continued to follow, and there was a newfound joy in following Christ. And I, our son Jimmy was born, but also th something else was happening. I started to ask to, be, uh, to work on different things on the di New York district. I directed girls' camp at Camp Taconic. I was involved in teen quizzing. I became the quiz director for the district, and then the district director of Sunday school ministries. And, and my husband Andy was on the camp board and Sunday school superintendent of the local church, as well as his demanding job as an FBI agent. So we had very full lives as we endeavored, really, to put God first, family second, and the church third. But because of my work as a district Sunday school director, I was appointed to serve on the adult Sunday school curriculum for the, for the denomination. I found out that they were really some wonderful Christians out in Kansas City. So it was, a very, it was an, an illuminating thing for me at the time. But on this committee, there were mostly PhDs and, and me. I was a laywoman with a math major, but what it did was it challenged me to study. And then after all of this was the beginning of a call. 
Up until this time, we had simply walked through the doors for service as they opened. And I, I, looking back, I can see how God was leading and he was working with us. But now, one of my duties as the district Sunday school chairman was to give a report of the district assembly. And I heard God say to me when the pastors gave their reports, this is what I want you and Andy to do. And I didn't say anything to Andy when I got home. And the next year I heard the same thing. This is what I want you and Andy to do. And then the following year, on the way home from district assembly, Andy said to me, what would you think if I took early retirement from the FBI and we took a small church that could not afford a pastor? And I said, what makes you think that? And he answered, when I hear pastors give their reports, I hear God saying to me, this is what you and Ann are supposed to be doing. To me, that was an amazing thing. Now, I didn't take this as a call to preach. I, I really didn't care for women preachers. Uh, to me, they all kind of had deep voices and said amen. <laughs> and, and no woman had been ordained on the New York district in 30 years, so it wasn't something that I was used to seeing. And frankly, I liked being a lay woman. I was a lay trustee of EMC, and I had been a lay delegate to the General Assembly. But again, God had other plans, and I was committed to following him. In our church at that time, we had a young couple that had started to come, and they were, we could see the church blossoming with their help. And then the young man was suddenly killed in an automobile accident, on his way home from his work in upstate New York. And I started to really struggle with this. I, asked, I, I almost argued with God over this. How could you let this happen? And, and I, I started to struggle about where would I be if something were to happen to Andy. And then I went to a pastor's and wives retreat. And there was actually Timothy Smith, who had taught here at EMC, uh, was there to speak to the, to the men, to the pastors. And uh, he was, had to leave early. And they had this woman minister from the Pittsburgh district that was there uh, just for the, the final day. And she gave the, the communion message. And I went up to her afterwards and said how much I enjoyed her message. And she looked at me very strangely. And she said, you know, I'm going to ask you something I have never asked anyone else. Are you sure that you're not called to preach? And I did not know what to answer her. And what I answered was, I said, I am praying about it. And I said, I will go home and pray. So I went back to Massapequa where we were serving and uh, having a wonderful ministry. And I started to pray about specifically whether I was to go for ordination. And I had a prayer partner in our church, Alba Ramirez, a wonderful Spanish woman. And she, I had great faith in her prayers. And she and I decided that for a month we would pray about this on a very regular basis. At the end of the month, I knew that I was to go for ordination. And she came to me and she said, Anne, I know that you are to go for ordination. It was the confirmation of the call of God from a godly woman who was calling, who was praying with me. 
And of course, this led to the course of study and then ordination. And after I was ordained, I found I missed the studies. Uh, I was very glad to have the opportunity to, to, you know, do some studying after college because I have to tell you, my one aim in college was to have a wonderful time while I was here. And, and I did. I had a great time. <laughs> I loved EMC. But uh, my grades would have been better if I had spent a little more time studying. So I was, I was going to prove that I was better than some of my grades showed. But uh, anyway, we had, we had another retreat, and Cecil Paul, who was uh, actually my, my uh, son-in-law's father, he was the speaker for ENC, and he talked about a, a program they were having at ENC where you could get your master's. Uh, in three years, in, and so I decided that I would get a master's in pastoral counseling. It was a wonderful program, and, but as part of that was taking what they call clinical pastoral education, which is done in a secular place in a, in a hospital. And it was as I took that course in, in clinical pastoral education that I absolutely knew that God was calling me to the chaplaincy. I knew this was the focus, to be the focus of my life from then on. And amazingly, I could not have gotten, I later got a job as, as the director of pastoral care for a hospice. I could not have had that job if I hadn't had the masters and if I had not been ordained. So as I look back, every step that the Lord led me on was where what I needed to have in order to fulfill the call that he would eventually put on my life. It was just an amazing thing. I saw so many people, especially in the hospital, but especially in hospice, who came to real peace with God before they died. It was a wonderful privilege to be able to be in that type of work. So as I look back, you know, I would never, never have dreamed when I was at EMC, how the Lord was going to lead me. And the amazing thing is that when we commit ourselves to following him, he will lead. Sometimes people have a definite call from the time they're very young. I remember there was a, um, a, a young man that was in college with me that had, I think he'd been preaching from the time he was 12. Now, uh, there were others that had a definite call. We had a, the Student Ministerial Association. We had the Student Missionary Association. And there were people that were called to these different things. But frankly, most of us did not know where God was going to lead us. And maybe some of you are struggling over, why don't I have a call? Or why, don't, why doesn't God tell me where I'm supposed to go from here? He doesn't always give us a blueprint of our lives. I certainly didn't have it when I was at ENC. But I can tell you that God will lead. If you faithfully follow him, step by step, he will lead you. I think he's really far more interested in our total commitment to following him, no matter where it leads, than he is in a particular profession. And so I would say, don't spend your time wrestling over, God, why don't you tell me where I'm going to be? I would say, go follow the leading that the, of what you enjoy doing. 
And I am convinced that God will not let you get so far away from where he would want you to be that he will not tell you. But if you follow the inclinations that he has already put into your heart and your mind of of things that you enjoy, then as you follow him wholeheartedly, then step by step he is going to lead you. As I say, I would never, never have dreamed that this is where I would end up. Most of them that are in college with me would never have dreamed that this was where I was going to end up. And probably a lot of you have no idea where you're going to end up. But I want to tell you that when God calls you, he enables you to do whatever he's calling you to do. And I feel that following Christ, is the most exciting life that we can have. As I look back, I have no regrets on following Christ. It has been a wonderful journey. And I invite all of you to go on that journey. If you have not made the commitment to totally follow Christ as yet, don't put it off. Do it, and you will have no regrets in the future. When I gave this message in, in this church in, in October, the, uh, the music team ended with this song. You are standing at, the, at a crossroad, wondering which road you should take, and you're dreading the decision and a possible mistake. But the will of God won't lead you where the will of God can't find you. You will never be out of his care. Remember that the Lord's already there. Then the chorus is, wherever you are, wherever you're going, God is right there beside you, seeing and knowing. Wherever you go, he already knows what lies ahead and what's behind. You'll always find he's never too far from wherever you are. I think those are some good words, because it really tells us that God is going to be with us to guide and direct And remember that as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for your boundless love for each one of us, that you care about what is going on in our lives, that you care about us in the future, And that you are there to lead us and to guide us if we totally depend on you. We just pray for this student body. We thank you for these young men and young women who are here at EMC. Pray for their professors that as they study here and then as they leave here, it will go out to serve you truly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.